It's the setup. I'm Chris Grace. I'm John Accardo. And it's uh, Friday, October 4th, 2019. 4th. Yes. What? My watch is off. And this is definitely the only time we've recorded this podcast. This yes. Week. I was about to greet you and say, like, we haven't seen each other in a little over a month, but I saw you yesterday yes. when we taped this exact episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, we taped a podcast episode yesterday, and um, it didn't uh, turn out right. <laughs> it was horrifying. Yeah. Um,. We'll let, like a sound mixing issue. We'll let John's father's yeah. This delightful is, is this music. longer than usual? No, that's how long it is. Wow, it just gradually fades out under us. Okay. Uh, pretty, we, 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 the way we do that is we have John's father just slowly back away from us as we record this. Yeah. Okay. I'll see you later. <laughs> yeah. They don't. They don't drive here together, which is weird. Right. Um. No, we. Uh, I don't. The lesson I've learned, which I should have learned, because I'm positive I've said this before on one of my podcasts, is that I should restart my laptop every time i record one of these things uh, okay because i feel like that's probably why mm-hmm. uh but just so you guys uh um can get a sense of what the recording from yesterday sound like uh i sent a clip of it to john <laughs> then he was appropriately horrified yeah and uh we're gonna insert that now <laughs> So that's what yesterday's podcast sounded like. Just awful. Yeah. Just absolutely awful. Part of me wants, I was like, fuck it, put it out anyway. Yeah, put it out anyway. <laughs> just to insane. see, like, someone turned it on. It's like, well, maybe this will change. And then just I want to see who, like, gets through the most of it. Like, um, I, I listened to 30 minutes before I went. This is probably not going to get any better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, because Yeah. The, it's amazing. Not even a, a single word is, is legible there. Something happened with the sample rate, and I actually thought, well, maybe I can speed this up. And uh, I was able to speed it up by like a 200% and get mm-hmm. like little snippets of words. Right. But um, it just, it does, I think, as you mentioned, sound like a ransom. Yeah. It sounds like someone man. kidnapped my daughter and is asking for a ransom. Yep. Um, so we're back the next day, and I guess now we have to do this podcast every single day. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it, it's it's strange because it was, I, I was thinking about that last night. It's like it's weird because a, a podcast, while genuine, is still kind of like a performance of a conversation. Yes. in some regard. And now this works like we're doing a performance of a performance of a conversation. Yeah, well, we don't need to recreate what we talked about. Um, the only the the some like I said, some of the stuff though we can very easily have genuine. Convers- like conversations again like yes. we recapped edinburgh a little while yeah talked about what's going on with you and magic what's going on with me and magic yeah let's uh, this time let's do we'll do my quick update at the yeah. top please go ahead so, so what's going um, on with you i'm auditioning on monday for the castle great um eighth uh, um, on the seventh and uh this was um uh this uh, i have less to say about it this time around i think i actually will probably be less nervous i was telling eric last night that i have much um I will genuinely not expect anything this time around to okay. happen um, because uh, I'm doing a completely different set of tricks that are honestly less comedy focused. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to be really kind of, um, I don't know, blunt about it, it they're, they're kind of less performance focused sure. <laughs> than they were. And they're a little more like, here's some more sort of classic effects that exhibit some skills um just because i feel like that's probably a little more in the direction of what they would like to see Mm -hmm. that's all um i i will say right after the last audition i was texting with robert ramirez and and i was sort of lamenting like oh i feel like some of the stuff i brought wasn't really um 
uh, it didn't, uh, it wasn't received in the the way that I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. Um, in terms of like basically like jokes and comedy that are written. Right. And And it turns out you were correct. I think I was correct. Yes. Uh, but But, uh, I mean, in terms of like what the, the advice they would later give to you about how to do the audition. Yes. I shouldn't go too much into it. Yeah, it's fine. I I got, if you apply for an audition now, you get this little, um, like bullet points of like things they want to see. And I, I don't know if I got that last time around. If I had gotten it, I would not have put those four tricks together. Right. Um, which is fine. Um, but I remember saying to Robert, like, I guess I'll just go and do... This is when I was in a bitter 48 hours after mm-hmm. it happened. And by the way, I wasn't bitter because I failed. I was bitter because of, like, other things that happened around the audition. But actually, like, it's totally fine for me to go and, like, not make it in. Right. Like, that's totally reasonable. Um in fact, the night of, I was like, I definitely didn't get in. <laughs> right. So um, I remember telling Robert, like, well, I can just do, like, ambitious, go and do ambitious card and go do, like, basically like, to go do three very standard things with, with like, the routine, routining and scripting that everybody does for them, like, that have been established over the years classically, like, this is what you do. Because then I can't be dinged for, like, writing a goofy script. Right. You know? Um, and I remember him... I remember exactly what he's saying, but he said something along the lines of like, yeah, but you're going to be so depressed if you do that. It'll be kind of lame, right? <laughs> right. That's, but I, That's a very Robert thing. Um, I feel like I have three or four or five things I can do this coming Monday that are a little more... I will say there's a lot less of me in the script Okay. in these four things. It's all Jerry. Yeah, it's all Jerry from Superstore. Um, no, there's just less of whatever I think the jokes I should say or whatever. And there's a lot more of like, I'm sort of saying it the way that the person I learned it from on a video said it. Um, however, I don't find it depressing. I like, I think the tricks are fun. Cool. So like, I think if that's, you know, I don't feel like super compromised in doing it. I just think Mm -hmm. I've adjusted what I'm doing more towards like what they're specifically asking for. Um, and then the other updates are that, uh, I signed up. If you're in Los Angeles, I'm going to the penguin max, conference october i forget what it was like 25 26 25 and 26 what you said yeah. uh and it sounded fun but i have a gig on the night of the 26 so i don't okay. know, i wonder if i can do like a one-day registration sort of a thing i'm excited because uh uh john bannon's doing a lecture yeah um and uh paul veal that'll be very you know, good so that'll be exciting. him have you ever seen him perform no i haven't i've seen video of him he did like a three-person show with johnny thompson and somebody else so the guy at with the ponytail? Magic Live. Uh, I don't know this guy with the ponytail. Yeah, because at Magic Live, the three of them did like a mentalism lecture called yes. Why Mentalism. So I've seen the video of that. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, and then I know that they did... So I wonder what you saw. I wonder if you saw the lecture from there, but I know they also, at that convention, did like a secret lecture just Ooh. before Magic Live started. Ooh. Um, so I'm wondering if that's what you maybe saw, which would be I'll really cool. what I saw. Um, um and I think like, so I remember I was I don't really like uh, I don't know a lot of people I'm not like super po- I'm not popular uh, really so at, at things like that I'm popular enough that I hear these things are happening but not popular <laughs> but not that I get invited, invited. <laughs> yeah um, um, so the other thing oh who else is going to be there uh, yesterday I mentioned they have a thing called zero to card sharp which I think is, is perfect for me mm-hmm. um, but I didn't realize it's taught by Eric Tate oh okay. Cool. Uh, who? Uh, uh, yeah, he, he. I believe he hosts a penguin 
uh, magic podcast now that just started. Oh. Like, uh, Airtate is the Penguin podcast. Um, please don't listen to it. Uh, <laughs> I, I Look, no reasonable human in this earth has room for more than one magic podcast in their life. And we thank you for making this one yours. I have four in my subscriptions. Um, wow. I can only you have, guess what they are? Yes, I can. Including ours. So three others. Three others. Um, it's Discourse and Magic. Yes. Um, you know what? There's one I won't be able to get because um, you've told me the name. I can't remember it. Um, and wow, I, I you know. Oh, I no, say, no, I have technically four others because oh, I fuck. also have mats as well. Matt, oh, Abracababble. Okay, yeah, 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 that's right. So, um, I you know I'd forgot. I haven't subscribed to that as well, um, and I'd forgotten about it. Yeah. Uh, so fuck, uh, that wouldn't have been on my list. So yeah, then I, I'm. You don't listen to Slighted, do you? No, I don't. Okay. Oh no, no. To mine. I just thought of another. I just thought of another one and a half another that I have. G- okay. I didn't even know there were this many. So Shazam. Oh yeah, that's right. Duh. Uh, I, I, you know, what? I'm just gonna look at my thing first because I keep forgetting about podcasts that two I'm magicians. also subscribed to. Two magicians. I subscribed. I listened to that yesterday. And you forgot about that one. <laughs> I forgot about it. It's a and great I would, podcast. I would kind of count half of Taylor's because, like, right. Taylor. Taylor. He's, I would not 50, call that a magic podcast. About fifty percent. I've of them been are. on that and I didn't even think about it. We've yeah. both been on it. And then uh, the Magic Word podcast with Scott Wells. That's the one I, I know you've told me about, but I couldn't remember the name of it. That's what I was that thinking. That one's fun. Of. Wow, um, I really fucked that up. No yeah. one ever put me on, like, Ask Me Another or something. Um, wait, 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 don't tell me. Uh, yeah. Um, do you, which do you prefer between those two shows? They're very different kinds of shows, I'm realizing, because I, when, when I listen to them for seven or eight minutes, they kind of seem interchangeable. I probably prefer, you know, it's funny, I like the host and the, the style more of Ask Me Another. That's uh, a fear, sorry, a fear? Uh, uh, I, I prefer the uh, style of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Uh-huh. But I like the um, the... Like the actual kind of game show aspect of Ask Me Another with Ophira Eisenberg, uh, because the way we don't tell me, kind I like. It feels like like the number one prize is just this guy records your answering. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, it doesn't kind of feel like a game. It kind of feels like one of those you always see clips of like these British game shows that Jimmy Carr is hosting. Yeah, you're like, are they doing like they're all just coming up with interesting stories about something like they're not like doing anything oh you mean comedy panel shows yeah kind where it's of. like six comedians and yes a, and it kind of looks like a game show yeah and like so this is a big thing in the uk that's just not a thing here yeah like i remember seeing um the first one i saw because it was on hulu was like stephen fry was hosting a show and i really like stephen fry oh, qi uh yes and it feels like a game show but it's also just kind of not <laughs> It's just the structure of a game show so that a bunch of comedians can have something to talk about. Right. It's and but like QI the problem is is like they have to be like almost like like unreasonably intelligent about right. like these topics. Uh, on Netflix actually I would recommend The Fix hosted um, by Jimmy Carr. Oh, okay. It's a US version of these shows. Oh, that one I don't know. Uh, it's pretty good. Uh, you know it's interesting somebody went on um I'm going to ruin his trick. I'm so, you know, actually, I won't. I won't ruin his trick. Somebody was on one of those, that Jimmy Carr. Is there only one and he does in the UK? No, no, he does. Um, okay, because it looks like they always look a little bit different. And I can't tell. He how does many... something like eight out of 10 cats. And then he does like, he does a yearly one that uh, Eric and I really like um, called the Big Fat Quiz. Okay. That one's actually super fun. Cool. It's around Christmas time and they do a, a long panel show about the entire year. Oh, it's, it's really enjoyable. Um, What I, uh, uh, Oh, what I saw was somebody went on and he said he could memorize an entire deck of cards. Oh, uh, that was, um, um, oh, what's that guy's name? He's, He's a, been at the Fringe, that guy. Okay, is he a magician? I think he is. Okay, because I was yes. wondering, because I let's, I won't spoil what he did and I'm not going to ruin his trick, but let's just say about 10 cards in, I thought maybe I could also memorize that deck of cards. Oh, wait, was it that? 
Like it was a oh, what is his name? He's got a funny name. He's uh, like a kind of like a short sort of stout kind of guy. I'd never heard of him before, and yeah. and, and he was not market. Here's what I, what I'll say is it looked really good. Though every single person in that room was impressed, um, uh-huh. as he should be. His acting on it was great. Um, I'm gonna let you pull that up for a second as I talk about another British game show. He's got a name like Mister Impossible or something. Um, uh, That's interesting because it did not feel like a magic trick, and it did not feel like he was marketing it as such, which would be difficult for him to do. I I thought if he were not like, look at me, I am a magician. Um, right, he looked like he was like a comedy guest that happened to be like, oh, I can also do this thing. Yes, that's exactly because I only saw like a two minute clip that someone a magician posted on Facebook, and uh, that's what I I saw. Um, and I so I had never heard of him, never seen him, and I didn't even see his name on the on the clip. Okay. But all, um, I mean, since this is a magician's podcast, right. c- can I guess at what you're saying in that like? Would um, be sh- I don't want to just like go on a podcast and just like spoil this guy's trick unprovoked. You know what I mean? That's why I feel bad. Oh, I think we've been provoked. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so I will ask you off the. the I'm just going to ask you if that was in what I would expect would a certain card be the first card that he named. Yes. That's, that's, all, that's all. Actually, and it took me... Or a, would it be some it other point? Me, it took me a while because it starts at another point. Okay. It starts at another point. I think we... I think pretty much we've spoiled it. I think yeah, everyone yeah. knows what that is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, yeah. Um, there is a British game show that I do love and I can only find it when I'm in the UK and the last couple of years when I've been in the UK I've seen it on hotel rooms called Pointless and that show is unbelievable because it is maybe the hardest game show i've ever seen oh uh maybe that's an exaggeration probably but i can it, name you two british shows that are harder than that you're familiar with pointless though yeah pointless is um you think point you think there are harder game shows than pointless there's absolutely a harder game than that called university challenge okay so for anyone who doesn't know that already sounds harder you're right yeah. <laughs> um pointless is a great show whereby you're given a category and it's 10 things, and you basically have to guess what the answer is. But not only are you guessing the answer, but you have to guess, not only do you have to guess the answer correctly, but you have to guess an answer that you think, like, out of people surveyed, the least amount of people got right. And you are succeeding when you are correctly guessing answers that had the lowest um, scores when people were asked You don't about want them. points. In you do game. not want points. Yeah. So, like, it'll be, like, 10... It'll be 10 people, and it'll be, like, you know, I don't know, this is a terrible example, but British Prime Ministers, and it'll have their faces and you'll have to guess their names and not only do you have to guess their names but you have to pick out the one that you think you can get right and also that most people got wrong yeah and so like if you get a score under 20 in an early round it's pretty good and then you know someone will be like 80 people also got that right and you know you're basically fucked i really like incredible show i really like british game shows um we were in london uh post fringe uh doing voldemort in the teenage hogwarts musical parody uh and we i saw a fair amount of british tv Mm -hmm. and they we have this here we have the um is it called the Beast here or something like that? Uh, uh, I think it's called. Yeah, I think it trivia is. against like a trivia master. Yes, they have an American version of it with just the, the beast. chase. The chase. Maybe? The chase. That's what it's called. In yes, and his name is the Beast. So in the UK, it's called. I think it's called the Beast. But there's. And I like, think it's just called the Chase. Oh, sorry. In the UK, it's called the Chase. Yeah, I believe it is also here. It's called the Beast. I think it's called the Chase in both. I think his name is just the Beast. I don't know. There's different names because in the UK, there's five to pick from. Yes, yeah, yeah, that is correct. And then it was never the beast, and I wanted to show my parents the beast, and because he's so witty. Um, are there so, in the American version? No, I no, saw it's just, it was it's just you're right. The beast. It's just a, no, it's just the chase. So, but in 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 England, there are five chasers. Yes. So it depends you on like what the get one. yeah. It's like Iron Chef, basically. Yeah. Um, 
Oddly enough, Chef Morimoto is also a, a judge on the on the chase. He's one of the he's one of the guys you have to quiz against. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, what what is funny is there's a, there nice is stuff. a um uh there is a stand up comedian named Paul Sinna, who I know just from like fringe stuff. Indian guy who's just a stand up, mm-hmm. and he's one of the chasers. Oh, cool. He is. Because oh yeah, I saw him. They call him like the cinephile or something right. like that, um, because he knows a lot about movies. But what I love about British shows. In the British reality game show world, anytime that they're using real people, is that when you on British game shows, the, the contestants are much more like just regular people. Yes, um, they are not. To be honest, like a lot of LA game shows, the contestants are all aspiring actors, mm-hmm. and they say I'm a web designer, but they're actually like somebody who wants to be an actor. Right. Um, and so they there's a lot more like too enthusiastic people I feel like on US sure. game shows um, and the British ones are really funny also British game shows often they're like the prize is like a thousand pounds I know really <laughs> yeah. low stakes the very first uh, great it wasn't called the great British bake-off like for, the full name of it was different but the first British bake-off mm-hmm. there was no prize the prize was just yeah. like the honor of winning yeah there was the SNL sketch where they parodied that with Emily Blunt uh-huh. um and then she was like asking what the prize money was, and they go, "There is no money. The prize is just the honor of being British." Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of British shows that are like that. Uh, uh, tangentially, we just finished watching "Blown Away" on Netflix, mm-hmm. the glass blowing competition. Oh yeah, how's that? Uh, very neat and fun. If you like watching, like it's a fun. Um, it's like what I liked about Project Runway is like I like just seeing like art right. like put together and comparing it to other people's so it's very interesting that way um really scratches the itch of like i don't want to i thought maybe i'd be interested in like learning how to do glass blowing mm-hmm. and now i definitely don't want to got it you it's like, like watching it the the gap between like when i started learning magic i remember thinking the gap between where i am and where like where i am in this magic castle class and where a performer at the magic castle is is much bigger than a gap between like a one-on-one improv student and a someone on stage at UCB. Fascinating. Um, and I wouldn't have guessed that. And I would say the gap between someone taking their first glass blowing class and the people in this show is bigger than that. Right. Because it just seems like so hard and physically dangerous. Oh, it yeah, was, It's insane a couple of times where they're like, um, they put a metal bowl into a vat of liquid glass pull out this bowl the glass is overflowing the side of it and an assistant is they're having him cut off the strands of what's leaking out of it and the assistant is not wearing gloves wow. and cutting just sticking his hand under this thing and i was just like what the fuck is happening like it's amazing how like interesting that is to watch and dangerous and intricate it is and then it just turns into bullshit trinkets at antique stores yeah basically it just turns into bongs right um Anyway. Oh, so, uh, and the last thing I'm doing is in January, I'm going to be going to uh, Magi Fest, Magi Fest. Uh, in Columbus. That's always a great convention, so I've told. Um, yeah. Or the lineups they have are always great. Like last year, they had Juan Tamarez and Jan Frisch. And I know they're changing some things up this next year because of some complaints they got about, like, space. Like, basically, they'd grown. Different hotel. Yeah, they'd grown to a point where that hotel couldn't really uh, facilitate all the people that had registered. So there were certain things. Like, when I was thinking about going for a minute. Yeah. Um, I basically they said like all right you can register but you won't be able to get into this Juan Tamara's show or this Jan Frisch lecture because we're out of space. Yeah. It was like um then I'm not going to go. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it looks like they've solved that problem. 
Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited to hear uh, how, that, uh, how um, that goes. Yeah, I'm going to be going to Pittsburgh to meet my friend Justin Zell, who's a listener of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Hopefully do a improv workshop at Steel City Improv, the theater that he runs in Pittsburgh. Then we're going to drive from... Oh, you, you asked me the other day what the driving time between... Oh, yeah. Pit, let's see. What's your guess, the driving time between Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Columbus, Ohio? I mean... <sighs> what would you have thought? It's hard to say, because I'm not really going off of actual geographic knowledge. I'm just going off of, like, that's several states away. I would say, like, six, seven hours. Um, I believe it's only... It's only one state away. Mm-hmm. They border each other, Pennsylvania and Ohio. Well, I'm oh, uh, that's interesting. I'm so I'm 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 going down the the lineup here, looking at Magi Fest 2020, and there are some great names. Uh, in this list. Three hours. Um, wow, that is not very far at all. Um, there are some really good names at Magi Fest. Uh, the the biggest, the one that I would be most excited about would be Hector Mancha. Um, will be there. That's incredible. My Pashada is great. Oh my God, Avner is going to be there. Oh, um, if anybody here has not seen Abner the Eccentric, um, and he'll, see him. he's incredible. Uh, wow. He's doing a one-man show in his lecture. His one-man show was at FISM in 2018, and it was incredible. Mm-hmm. And it was maybe, it was like one of the three like highest, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say. There's about a thousand people in that room, give or take. It's the same room that Shoot and Simon did their show as well. Um, and, uh, um, heavily Asian crowd, you mm-hmm. know, heavily l- low English speaking. So already crowd. not to your liking. Uh, yeah, I, I always I already felt a little weird not being there. <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. That was a joke. Um, <laughs> but you know, it was just like a very you know. Uh, I feel like on my my podcasts, I host three of them. And they're all just me baiting a white person into saying racist things. You know, I made a joke yesterday that when you were like, uh, oh, we have to record it. I'm like, you know what? It's probably for the best. That joke never saw the light of day. <laughs> yeah, I think you know which one I'm talking about. I don't know if I remember which one. But um, there's so many to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> John, John just regularly says so many racist things. Yeah, it gets dark in here. Um, um, but anyway, the Avner Which show. also bothers me. There, there was another one. That was a bad, That was a horrible joke. Like, yeah. Cut that one out. Uh, <laughs> we'll cut that one. <laughs> we're gonna cut that one out. Um, swing and a miss there. Uh, no, so I um, uh, Abner was yes. Yeah, so anyway, it was just like a, a, a not English speaking. Granted, he doesn't talk at all in the show, but it was just like a very American kind of styled sort of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that if I was just looking at it, I wouldn't guess would play super well in South Korea with like you know at a magic convention. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, like it was one of the times I remember like seeing someone live kill like the hardest. I was mm-hmm. like, I was like, there was only a couple times I can think of people like killing harder than he did in this room at two in the afternoon. Mm. I I I'm sitting. I was sitting next to Shoot and Simon, and all three of us were dying so much so that they even went uh, this um, year about six seven months after FISM, uh, flew to Maine to do like his five day workshop. Um, and Shoot like, and Simon, Simon yeah. Whoa. Um, they they flew there uh, and they did like five day uh, like. Um, Wow, physical comedy workshop and like uh, clowning workshop. Wow, that's so Abner's crazy. a clown. He's incredible. Um, I honestly, in my opinion, he is worth the price of going. About what it would take to go to Magi Fest because he's so good, mm-hmm. and to get to see him live is great. And he's also the sweetest guy. I've talked to him a little bit a couple of the times I was there, and he was the nicest, nicest guy. Huh. Um, but Hector Mancha, you know, Grand Prix champion. Uh, Wow. Yeah, he's going to do his FISM act, but also a brand new stage act and a lecture. That's good. Mike Pashada, Ryan Plunkett, David uh, Williamson, Danny D'Artiz, Ben Hart, oh, who I would love to see. Um, a lot of people here probably don't know Ben Hart. Um, 
I had not heard of him until this summer. Uh, but if you don't know Ben Hart, Ben Hart was a finalist of on Britain's Got Talent recently. Um, he's a magician. He's a British magician. I look him up. He's quite good, I think. Um, I definitely have some opinions on his act, but he's is very good. He had a, a show at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival this year that I did not get to see mm-hmm. because by the time he was on my radar, and I was like, "Yeah, let's go take a look," it was completely sold out. Mm-hmm. And then even by the time um, I then they, uh, if your show sells out the Edinburgh Fringe early um, and it's you know getting press, almost undoubtedly you will get a few extra shows added. Um, almost yeah. every big show that I wanted to uh, see that was like sold out would be like. Two extra shows added. In fact, that's even how I saw one of them. That's how I saw the Richard Gadd show was mm-hmm. a midnight extra show. Anyway, so um, but by the time and so you basically around town on their posters, someone will be uh, well, they'll just be like uh, taped up. Will be a thing that says like extra show added August sixteenth or whatever. And um, by the time I saw those, I didn't get to see Ben Hart. Ben Hart is just this really like handsome guy. He's a good speaker. He's charming. He's interesting. Mm-hmm. And um, he's a good storyteller. Yeah. He, he did this. Uh, he did this. On, on the finals, he took a really risky move on Britain's Got Talent. It's the only thing I've actually seen him do. Um, I haven't looked up too much of his other stuff. But he does a diminishing cards on Britain's Got Talent. That's fine. The actual trick is, is you know, fine. I think it could probably be improved in, in, in some regard. But, it, like, the st- but two-thirds of it is storytelling and just kind of setting it up before he actually does it. Mm-hmm. And that's quite lovely. And it's a big risk to do a trick that um, small uh, and... Um, on like the finale of a show like that, yeah. given that he'd presumably done bigger stuff, but it's quite nice and it really pays off. All the judges really liked it and they, they really commented him on it, uh, applauded him for his storytelling and his ability mm. to really set that trick up well. Um, so come meet me at uh, Magic Fest. Yeah, and, go to Magic Fest. Uh, by uh, the way, Avner will be at the Magic Castle April 6th through 12th. Avner? Uh-huh. You will? I'm looking at his uh, homepage and it says April 6th through 12th, 2020. What? At the Magic Castle. Really? Yeah. Oh man, that's so, awesome! So you'll go every night. And What's he doing? Does he doing? He must be doing the palace. It's all I don't just know what is he doing? He's just doing says magic castle in there. What is I he was, doing there? I was looking here to see if um, the to look at his workshop schedule. Interesting. Um, this, yeah, that's so. I'm so curious what he's doing because uh, he's not a magician. He doesn't do any magic in a show. There's no magic show. Um, I like there, wasn't there like napkins being eaten or something? Uh, there's or? like a couple things that uh, Mullica style. There, there's a couple of things that that I guess are almost technically magic tricks, but do not read like magic tricks. Mm-hmm. They are used to you know as like physical comedy mm-hmm. um, in a brilliant, brilliant way. But I, but like. I mean, he even said, like, there's no magic in my show because it doesn't really oh, feel like you're watching magic. He does, like, a tournament sort of newspaper, too. He, like, picks up scraps of newspaper right. and he, like, unfolds them in a full newspaper that says he has this running gag about how much time it is until the show actually starts. Right. Um, and he's saying that doesn't count as magic either? Um, it just doesn't uh, – it doesn't feel – I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. It's just funny to me, like, uh, how long was the show? An hour. Oh, okay. It's just funny, like, I feel like I've seen some magic shows that had less magic than that. <laughs> Uh, um, my, you know, my show in Fr- Edinburgh didn't have that much magic in it. We saw a show in Fringe this past year that had two effects in it. Yes, we did. That was one, we reviewed it. Luke Germain, Luke, yeah. the Luke Germain show yeah. had two effects done over and over again, but it was yeah. just like two tricks. Yeah. Um, uh, let's talk about Edinburgh. Yeah, let's talk about Edinburgh. So about um, Edinburgh, but no. <laughs> well, now you know how to say it correctly. I do know how to say it correctly, Edinburgh. and that, when, when people say Edinburgh, I don't correct them. Edinburgh, because I don't want to be that guy. I'm not, I don't want to be Barcelona of Edinburgh. <laughs> I only correct them if they are going. Got it. Like, if they're going to be there, or like if they're about to go there and visit or something, I'll right. correct them because they will 
be told once they get there. Got it. Uh, I, this is what I say. I say it's Edinburgh. And also, if you're American, don't use the word spastic. Yeah, that you did warn me about that, yeah. um, which I've never said in my life. Yeah. But I was just on but, a constant you, state of fear that but I would like. Let have it you ever out. said like, "Well, I spazzed out"? I mean, not. Re- I mean, I, maybe I've said it, but that is not a, a thing I would say. That's not right. part of my vocabulary. But it wouldn't be. But it also wouldn't be on your radar to be like, "Don't say that." Yes, it would. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but yeah. Oh, is. so what's funny is a couple. I'm just gonna give a couple little updates of of, of the Scotland show. So, um, if you follow me on Instagram at John Cardo Magic, uh, which you don't have to do. It's not a very interesting page, but you know, feel free to do it. Um, I, I posted some of my favorite things that people said to me because uh, one of the bits in my show, my mental epic that I did in the show, was all about things that I think people would say to me. And so the first thing I would ask is I, I want to guess if people liked magic based off of a short conversation with them. And the second thing is if they were going to make fun of me, what would they say about me? Mm-hmm. So I would kind of post some of my uh, my favorite um, things, um, and then. Uh, one of them was um, the. Well, I, I always wanted to put this joke in, and that's kind of where this routine came from. But the idea was someone would say an insult to me, and I would go, "That's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's not correct." The correct answer in middle school was John Retardo, because mm-hmm. um, I always just wanted to say that on stage because it hurt my feelings so much in middle school. Um, and now, in, as an adult, it as horrible of a thing it is to call someone. Ten out of ten joke. That is a that is an incredible. I mean, I mean, my God, I don't know why writers' rooms at comedy shows aren't stocked with seventh graders because that was just (laughs) like you couldn't have come up with a shorter better like it was just it was just great um john mulaney has a bit about that about like how good kids are making fun of adults um (laughs) and like how weirdly specific they are and it's very funny anyway so i want but then eventually somebody said it i asked them to make fun of me and they um they uh they said uh john accardo the retardo oh i I didn't know this yeah oh did i tell you this um yeah and then i was like oh my god i just let her know i'm like that was it you got it that's funny (laughs) that was the right one and that was really really funny um so you how many shows did you end up doing 26 shows 26 um uh i wanted to give you so here's a fun thing i got a um I said a thing where every day it would email me the sales breakdown. Did yes. you did you get this email or you just check with check? I didn't get the. I, I would just check okay. the the thing every single so day. I, I, I checked an, it compulsively. I would get an email every day of like telling me what the sales were, uh, and I have not turned off this thing. So every day I still get. Oh, a that's thing. interesting. Um, because I tried to go on that site the other day to tell to talk to someone about money. Um, and uh, it was down. It was down. It, the, the information isn't there anymore. I think it might have been archived because I just looked at my last couple emails and they're blank. Like it says no report mm. available. But I just pulled up the last one from August 29th. Hit me. Uh, how many people do you think you performed for? Well, that will be the number of people that bought tickets. Bought tickets um, yes. I, I, it's, it's higher than this. For I want to say it was somewhere in the low to mid 500s. 583 tickets okay. sold. Yeah. I, I, I took a glance at these numbers before we left. I couldn't remember exactly what that yeah. was. And that, that is an average of 10 pounds um, with concessions, which is like cheap tickets, two for ones, et cetera. Yeah. Um, it, and then on weekends, it was 13 pounds. It was, it was hard to say. Yeah. Uh, I know the highest number of tickets sold on any given day was 51. I think the lowest was eight. You averaged 22 tickets sold per show. Yeah. That's um, great. That is incredible. Yeah. So we basically, uh, bas- so my goal going in, in, in the first couple of days, my goal was I like to make a little bit of a profit on this show. Yeah. Um, 
then it quickly turned to I would like for Chris to not lose any money on the show, <laughs> which almost happened. Almost. We just almost broke even. Yeah. Um, we were a little short. Uh, but th- now, granted, I believe you also you pulled in some profit with Voldemort. So right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So your your net loss. <laughs> I, I, I felt okay. Well, given his entire Edinburgh experience, yeah. you did not lose. Money. I never expected to make money on this show anyway. Like make a ton. Of, like the, the the like, I would actually say that we. How many did our venue seat? Seventy. Seventy four. Um, I would actually say that it's pretty much impossible to make money in that box. Interesting. Well, um, Susie McCabe was pulling in some money. I bet Susie McCabe was a stand-up. So, right? for context, all the theaters at Edinburgh are not just hosting one show; they're hosting like eight or nine shows, yeah. um, just back to back to back. So, the theater I was in had nine shows on any given day. Um, I was the second show in there. There was a one-woman show at eleven thirty in the morning. Then there was an hour off, um, which was unusual. And then I was in there at one thirty. Then, as soon as I was done at two thirty, I had ten minutes to load out all of my crap, my table, and my shit, and my glass bowl full of water and sand. Which I do want to talk about that trick, actually. Okay, cool. Um, and uh, and then I so three two uh, thirty, I had to be out and done so they could start a show, a two-man play called the Deno- the Denova Super, which was quite good. Um, at three o'clock, so so like all I guess these shows. What I mean is that it's impossible in a small venue like that for someone coming from outside of the UK to make money, right? Because um, there aren't enough seats to. So your expenses in that in that show, if you if you're comfortable talking about it, were about a little about six and a half thousand dollars. Is that what I sent you in that spreadsheet? Estimated, yeah. That was yeah. in the spreadsheet. Um, yeah, probably. Yeah, if it, whatever's in the spreadsheet is probably right. Yeah, so six hundred thousand. Um, we grossed fifty six hundred pounds. Yeah, uh, but we don't get all of that. We get sixty percent of that. Right, and then we have to pay a twenty percent VAT tax as well. So whatever that number that turns out to be. Oh, that's interesting. I forgot about the twenty percent um, VAT tax. Um, now, so basically, the only reason we even came close to hitting almost even was because of the Kickstarter we did, where yes. we made three thousand dollars. And that's why, like, because as a producer, I kind of think of that as being like you didn't really break even. Like, Got it. Um, like, I think that's great, and it helps defray our costs. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we all had a good month. Um, but you know, like that. That's why, like, Susan McCabe, who is a solo stand-up. Did you see your show? I did. Um, did she have any set at all? No. Okay. So, in fact, uh, um, uh, so we we became friends with the two techs that worked at that theater, Louisa and Tom, and they just kind of worked on everyone's shows. And there were two stand-ups back to back. There was um, Aditi Mittal. Um, uh, I believe the first female Indian stand-up comedian. Uh-huh. Um, and we saw that, and that was fine. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, she, oh, I felt bad for her. She had a bad show when we saw it, which was unfortunate. Not uh-huh. all, there was like nine people there. Um, three different cell phones went off, and then someone got up and left Ooh. during the show. Um, in from that the, venue, is in, in the painful. front front row center, sitting directly in front of her, and then they she they talked about why she was leaving as she left. It was like this older Indian woman, and I guess it was like a minor Indian holiday. And she's like, "I'm sorry, we have dinner reservations that we must go to." She's like, "But I really enjoyed it. But I wanted to come and see your show. But we really had a." And, then, and then they spoke to each other, and you know, I assume it was a like Hindi language, or something. Yeah. Um, um, and she was very nice about it. And all the, the time something happened, she was really, really cool. Like if someone's phone rang, she was like, hey, I've got to answer, you got to answer. Is it your mom? Answer it. Um, <laughs> but then there was a time by the third phone went off. You could just see it on her face a little bit. And I just felt bad for her. Yeah. Uh, it was a good show. It was just yeah. like, it was a bad night. Um, so anyway, so, so she, had, she had a stool and a mic stand. And the, and the, one of the texts to me said, uh, yeah, it's really great going from her to Susie McCabe because all I have to do is get rid of the stool. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Susie McCabe, if you sell out um, 26 shows with 74 seats. Which she did 10. every night. Susie McCabe is, uh, from my understanding, a, um, 
like a, a a decently successful Scottish stand-up comedian. Yeah. So she has like a so, bit of a name. She probably couldn't sell out like a, a a big theater there. So, but she could. You know, this was seventy-four seats that she had no problem selling out. Right. Um, and then I kept seeing her name all over town. She kept doing guest spots and other shows, like variety shows and stuff. Right. I saw her name a lot. I would say if she was in a theater of like. 400 people she probably wouldn't sell it out well so that's the thing is Susan McCabe if she lives in Scotland that means she took a 50 pound train right or she lives in Edinburgh or whatever I mean if she lives in Edinburgh she probably doesn't but like she probably lives in London but like if you so she lives in um she lives in Scotland I don't know where okay oh so like let's say that she rents a flat for the month which is like 2000 I mean 2000 pounds 2000 pounds and but if she sells out Seventy four seats for twenty six. She grosses about nineteen thousand pounds, right? And she doesn't have to pay the VAT tax because she's a um, oh, because she's Scottish. I don't think so. I think they get some kind of, and they also are exempt um, from this foreign entertainers tax mm-hmm. that we are also exempt from because we didn't go over a certain amount. Got it. But if you go over, I believe twelve thousand pounds of income, mm-hmm. you have to pay this tax, and it's another twenty percent. Oh wow. Um, so yeah, for her, same thing with that. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. It's very Uh, likely that she can make some money, right? but I would also argue with somebody like her, she should probably do, um, like studio three Mm -hmm. where she, Uh, which I never went in. I never saw a show in studio three Uh, or even studio two. Yeah. Studio two. I know. Um, is Studio 3 smaller than Studio 2? I think it is. Okay. Uh, but not sell out as many tickets, but then make potentially more money. So mm. for, as an example, you probably never saw Jason Byrne. He's an Irish I stand-up. didn't, because he kind of basically was... I, 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 I didn't know who he was until I got there, really, and then he was sold out. Yeah. He sells out... Uh, let's say his tickets are 12 pounds times 26, and right. he adds shows as well. He sells out the 800-seat um, mound uh, cathedral, whatever, hall. Right. Uh the entire he sells it out in the first day or something God, like that. Incredible. Um, so even more than David O'Doherty. Yeah, like that theater. David is, O'Doherty is a actually David O'Doherty kind of probably has a bit of a name out here. I knew who he was because yeah, I've seen him on Conan. Yeah. Um, he's not like another UK person. Like um, uh, who was it? Russell Howard, who ju- who was right after you in um, right. uh, in who Voldemort. Who was a big name? Um, who was a big name? I'd never heard of him before. Or playing a relatively small space. Um, yeah, but, but uh, so Jason Byrne will gross about two hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Wow. For doing the fringe, fuck. So, like, it's a very good move on his part, right? <laughs> you know, like, and then you just get twenty six hours to do whatever you want, yeah. run any new material. Yeah, um, unbelievable. Um, and before we went to fringe, uh, I believe it was Simon that said that you were he, that you were maybe going to level up a couple times. Yes. Um, did you feel that? I did feel. I you know I didn't feel it when I was there. I felt it when I left. Oh. Um, I felt the show get better. And uh, it's funny because we saw a magic show together. Mm-hmm. Um, I think did you talk about this on the podcast? We can know. cut this out if if you don't like if you don't want to say this. But then again, I I feel like you're more open about these things than I am. When we saw Helder's show, uh-huh. you uh, we saved for the talk back thing, and you asked a question. I think I did mention this that I and asked you did not him. get a sat you did not get an answer that you felt was satisfying. I got an answer that I felt was, I felt like I asked a question that I as a craftsperson. I would be interested in. I thought would be a way for him to talk about the show in a way that was more interesting to me and to him. So you asked Helder what he learned about the show since they'd been doing it. Yes. Um, And I don't really remember what he said. He basically said like, his answer was basically like nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've just learned about how audiences are or something like that. But basically my question was like, there must be something in the show that is working better than you thought or worse than you mm-hmm. thought or a, or something that was in the show that you took out right. that you put in 
anything like along those lines. Right. Uh, I mean, my question wasn't as good as the other person who said, "Weren't you here two years ago <laughs> doing a show just like this?" Oh with man. With a bunch of things. <laughs> oh god. And that isn't was your cringe-y. name? Isn't your name Derek Delgado? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically, this guy asked like. Uh, there was a trick he does with a in, the, in that show Invisible Tango where someone opens a letter that's been addressed to them. Oh, Uh-oh. and there was a letter in Derek Delgado's yes. show. Yes, and someone's yeah. like, "Didn't you do a trick? Weren't you here before? Like a trick with a, a letter? Did you do another show with like, a trick with a letter in it?" And he just goes, "No." And he and he played it off as kind of like, "No, I don't know what you're talking about," but he knew exactly what he was talking about. <laughs> Side note: uh, here, the Helder book just got an email that it's going to be shipping soon. Oh, very cool. So. Um, I'm sure that'll be very good. Um, anyway, so I was thinking a lot about. The entire month, I was kind of thinking about that question, uh-huh. and in Helder's defense, I I don't have a great answer for it either. Um, but you but you have very tangible things that you could say. Like yeah, what I will say is I, I don't know what what are you looking for when you ask that question because what I was kept thinking of I kept thinking about like is there one unifying thing underlying like thing about this whole show that I now know or a thing about myself as a performer or about this and I don't know that I have a good answer for that. I do know that every single piece in the show I have. Um, specific answers no i'll tell you what i'm i don't i'm not looking for anything specific and what i'm not looking for is the show is the same as it was when you started right. and it was good to start with and didn't need any improving and uh what i learned was that some audiences are different than others right um so what i think uh, i found was that um First off, given that, you know, it's interesting, a lot of that material is new and specific for that show. And I'm not doing a lot of, like, full shows. You're doing a lot of, like, uh, uh, walk-around stuff. You also didn't create pieces that you could come home and be like, great, I can stroll with this one. Right. Ugh, that that was a regret. uh, Could you just hold this water bottle? Uh, Do you have any water? Right. Do you have, like, a sound system? Do you have an audio ape here (laughs) to play um, this very sad thing? Do you own an audio ape now? I don't. I should buy one. Oh, it's the thing everybody has. It's the thing everyone has, and it's great, and it works very, very well. Um, but you it, ended that show with a, what's it called? Sands of the Desert? Sands of the Desert. Um, and so my question, so here's... Can I say the, first, the the only criticism I had about that was your choice of music? Because I have this great song you could use. <laughs> like, when I get older, just like a waving okay, so, flag, and then it goes back. <laughs> you know what's funny is, uh, so, okay, can I, if you want to do the Sands of the Time, the Sands of the Desert, excuse me, um, Feel free to do it. I'm about to talk about whether or not I think it's a good trick, uh-huh. and don't let that sway you. If you want to do it, by all means, you, you have the ability to do so. Here's what I will say. I don't know why everyone feels the need to do this. When you hold up a vial of a certain color, a very, very apparently brightly colored sand, uh-huh. there is no need to shout to the audience what color you're holding. Oh, is that what happens? That's what happens in the video you're talking about. Oh, I don't remember that. And then I saw a performer... I saw a magic show at the Fringe who closed the show with the same trick. Oh. Um, and he, uh, Kevin Quantum, closed End for My Next Trick 2. Uh, and he did Sands of the Desert. And Sands of the Desert. So he would go like, blue. Yes, he would do that. Wait, what is the context of shouting out the color? You're holding up the color. Hmm. Is and it possible that it's, a, it's an accommodation for colorblind people? Maybe. Maybe I'm just being insensitive. <laughs> um, so here, so... Uh, Here's the thing about that trick. I I, I, st- I started doing it because I, I kind of started wondering, is this actually a good magic trick? Or is it a trick that magicians see other magicians do and go, that's kind of cool, it's visual, interesting, doesn't require an audience uh, member, like so it can be kind of done anywhere. Uh, you can do kind of do a whole bunch of different things with it. That's fun. 
do magicians just see other magicians do it and go, oh, cool, I'll market it, I want to do that. And then magicians just kind of think it's a good trick. And so that was kind of my goal. Yeah. And then I realized, I said, maybe if I give it something a bit more to, 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 uh, to it, it can be a little interesting. So then I wrote a thing around it that made it about like insecurity and uncertainty and magic. Yeah. Um, uh, so all these things are kind of very, very, very real in my life when I think about like magic and, and, and my, and my journey in magic. Um, by the end of the month, I to, respectfully to the people who do it, I think it is not a good magic trick. Oh, wow. um, I just think that when every element of that trick is marketed elsewhere as a toy, it, it can't be a good magic trick, uh-huh. right? The sand I was using from a magic website was at, was was called toy magic sand and all and came with little guides on fun experiments to do for kids you with can it. just get it off of amazon exactly you can yeah. get it on it's steve spangler sand and i, I bought it through vanishing ink very good price it worked very well um but and then it, and 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 the thing the thing is and this is something i actually want to talk about with magic bar from last week as well uh-huh. there's i think there's this thing i don't know exactly what to call it. i'm gonna call it like a drug there are these sort of dangerous drugs i think you can have in magic that can cloud your perception right and that is you get some success or praise off of doing something and the drug takes over your brain you go that means the thing is great right just because you know if 60 percent of the people um if 60 percent of the people uh in the audience seem to like the trick it's easy to go wow oh my god this trick is killing but then you don't pay attention to the fact that 40 percent of the people thought it was maybe stupid Mm -hmm. right a seven-year-old like an eight-year-old kid who had interested in magic had told me after the show that he had done that trick. <laughs> How good can it be if I'm doing the same trick that a seven-year-old did at like a science fair? Well, how were, did he have notes? Were they good? <laughs> he did have a lot of good notes, actually. He and I are going to do some work together, I think. He, he and I are going like, to put out a, we're going to, we, we've basically made a version that we're going to put out together on, on Theory 11. He um, was like, this trick would be improved by some Lunchables. <laughs> um, um, so well, I don't put it on the illusionist. Yeah. Just, just say it's your own. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, fuck that kid. I'm going to steal his notes. But so basically it's like, just because a trick, you know, some people did like an Aaron, my stage manager and friend who was there with me, um, she would talk to me and, and, she, and she would say like, it was really fun for her to see. She would like look out. And when I would pull out a color and I would pour it into the back of the bowl, she's like, there'd be people whose faces were just like pure light. And that's awesome. I'm not saying it's just, it's not a binary thing. It's not like a trick is 100% or 0%. You know, it's always going to be somewhere in the middle because there's no trick that will fool everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time. If uh, You know, there's just, there just isn't. Um, there's no trick that will fool 100% of the people 100% of the time. So you're always kind of looking. I think looking that's at, what, uh, is that what Lincoln said or Barnum? Uh, you can't fool everybody with this trick all the time. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It was yeah. like some people will guess what double deckers are, I think was the, <laughs> the I think that's the quote. Um, so every, and Simon and I have talked about this before, every magic trick on some level or another is the bell curve. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to make the material strong enough so the bell curve skews as far to the right as possible. Yeah. Um, this trick I don't feel goes far enough to the right that makes me comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the only time in my life that I really want something very far right. Um, <laughs> zing, politics joke. Watch out, podcast. It just got political up in I here. guess I would say that, okay, aside from that consideration, did you enjoy doing the trick? Um, I did. But that and the mental epic both did the exact same thing for me. It was kind of like, I like what I'm doing. I like what this is. I wish I could do it with a different trick. And someday in the future. Oh, Take the framework of the script. Take the framework of the script. Take the idea. Take the themes and the emotion, the tone, um, 
and and you know bring it somewhere else. I, I do also want to say for anybody that's listening to this that came to my little run through in L.A. Um, at the uh, uh, Thimely, Th- Thimely, Thim- Thimely. Thimely uh, um, Center. Uh, thank you, first off, thank you for coming. That did mean a lot to me that you came. Um, I'm also- Although it would have been helpful if one of you was like, I can get that off Amazon. It would have <laughs> saved John a month of getting water balls and sand. No, I just would have been super anxious about having to do it and having no backup. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, what's interesting about the, the way that thing, um, that show goes and the way that festival is, is that without me kind of realizing it, like Eric, I'm um, your husband, who saw it there. He basically he saw it pretty early in the run uh-huh. with um his other cast, the Voldemort cast. Right. Uh, they saw it a couple days in, um, and he's like, "Oh, it's a completely different show than what it was at that run through." Yeah. And then somebody else, um, Stephanie, uh, one of the cast members of Voldemort. Two weeks later, her boyfriend was in town, and the two of them came to see it. And then two weeks later, from her seeing it on like the third or fourth day, she goes, "Oh, it's a completely different show now. Oh. It feels completely different." So that show really did like was like died and was reborn a couple of times. Also, Tim Murray's parents saw it. Yes, the Murrays enjoyed it. It was their favorite show of the French. Yes, uh, that, <laughs> that was very sweet. Um, what's funny is because he said that to me, uh, and I'm like, "Oh, that's so nice." Uh, but it kind of takes on a little bit more weight when I hear him say it to you on your podcast, like yeah. with no proof, well, like with no actual evidence that I would ever hear it, and yeah. like. He's like they said. Actually, John Cho wasn't that great. Like, like there's yeah. no way he would know I would hear that. Um, so, uh, so that so anyone who saw it, thank you for coming. It's one of those things where I'm almost like I think that went well that run through, but I'm almost embarrassed that people saw it just because it shows yeah, so that's, different. But that's so what much it's, better that's now. What that's exactly what it was for. So, thank you for you coming. Um, yeah, um, I. I, I, was I think it's answer. fascinating that you took a month to figure out that you didn't like these two tricks. I mean, it was. It was I, <laughs> and, and I still like three. mental epic. I still like mental epic. I just wish that like I wasn't just doing a mental epic. But you, you also I mean? don't love smash and stab. Oh no, I hate it. So interestingly, um, that like first of all, it sounds like you have a smash and stab you're willing to sell. Yes, <laughs> I also have a no force mental epic that I'm willing to sell. Um, uh, don't you have two? Uh, I so I, I I um well actually I threw away the mental epic um that I use in the show because I didn't have enough. Um, uh, weight in my bag, and it was like twenty five bucks on Vanishing Ink. Um, oh, really? Wait, the, the the wooden one, the chalkboard one with the pieces of paper. Yeah, oh, that's okay. like that's like thirty dollars on Vanishing Ink, and you know what? And it worked perfectly. I will say, you know, it was thirty bucks. It had its wear and tear. It was not going to survive much longer, anyways, and I didn't have the space for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but Aaron flew home with my No Force Metal Epic, which I bought for like three hundred bucks on Vanishing Ink, which is great. It works perfectly. I realized there was a way I could improve upon the Metal Epic. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was impossible to do with the way that No Force one works with the gimmick in it. Um, it is if if you're thinking of a No Force Metal Epic, this is probably a bit different in construction than what you're thinking of. It's uh-huh. a really clever thing, and it works well. Um, I just realized, like, you got, oh, you got a better reveal out of it. I came one. up with a way to do a better reveal based off of a mentalism thing I'd done a few years in the past, and I went, oh, this would work better. And then I, I did it the next day, and it did work better, and it worked better for the rest of the month. And based on a suggestion from one of your teacher advisor uh, from Bob Dorian the junior program I was doing a mentalism routine um, where I just called out things people pulled out of a wallet um, that I passed around and he came up with a way to improve upon the final reveal to make it a, um, a bit more climactic than the other two even though it's the same reveal yeah. and um, I applied that exact same uh, method to this and it did the same thing it worked well actually here's something I've been thinking about lately is um, how often in tricks? Uh, so I've been following a lot of Ollie Mealing, okay. who's a British com- uh, comedian, British magician. Uh, he has one of these private um, subscriptions. I have two private subscriptions 
to Patreons. Okay. One is Ollie Mealing, who every week puts out a new either Control or Force or something like that. Mm-hmm. I really like him. I think he's really great. Uh, and then I am, right now, I'm paying for that Daniel Madison Patreon because there's a lot of good like videos on cool. his thing. Um, it just, it is, he's a hilarious character. Right. I don't know. I think I had said this to you. And look, I, this is just my own bias. I don't know why, but I just don't know what it is about apathetic British, but like like buff British card magicians with a bunch of tattoos that just is not interesting to me. But it's not interesting to me. Yeah, he's not super buff. I just he picture just, him in like a short sleeve shirt, with like a very a tight short sleeve shirt, like his like um, arms like bulging out. No, picture am I, this. Am, am, am I no picture a big beard, sunglasses, and always like a heavy sweater yeah. like it's very hipster oh, okay not not buff but very very like super tattooed am i still writing like the apathetic british guy his is more no oh, i have to show you a video of his his is very um uh like like in trying to develop the best false shuffle i've encountered so many problems the sound of it hurts me because it doesn't sound like a real shuffle. This physically hurts to hear. I'm trying to improve all of my things. Like, that's kind of his, his attitude. Yeah, I just... And if you see him on Fool Us from 10 years ago, he's like, hello, everyone, I'm Daniel Madison. Right, I know. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, that... But, know, to, but to be fair, I watched his video on his version of Truffle Shuffle, and it's what got me to learn it. So it's cool. like... You know, he, he's very, very picky about how he wants Truffle Shuffle to be. Mm-hmm. Like, he's trying to modify it so that it sounds like a regular Shuffle too. That's tough. I've, I've thought about that, and I've talked to people about it, and it's difficult. Yeah. Um. So... Here's a fun contest for the uh, listeners of this. Uh, which one is false? Which one is false? Here we go. This is um, bad content. Here we go. Here we go. So this is Shuffle 1. All right. And here we go with Shuffle 2. Okay. And if you can guess. Do those again do, or flip them around. I'm going to close my eyes this time. Okay. Uh, tweet at me at uh, John underscore Ricardo. Smash that like button. <laughs> Just hit like and subscribe. If you like that, just hit subscribe at the bottom there. Here we go. So here this is. is uh, uh, don't, you don't have to do it in the same order. In no either. particular order. Yeah. Here we go. Well, actually, a very particular order, but I'm not going to tell Chris that. Okay. Shuffle one. <laughs> okay. Shuffle two. Hold on, I fucked that up. <laughs> the okay. second one was real. Yes, and I know how you could tell that because it like paused for a second in the first one. It's part, but it's, what's interesting, it's also the the, we, the initial weaving sounds different. Because and when you do the truffle, you're not weaving the full thing. When you interesting. Do the, okay, close your eyes again. We're going to do this right. one more time. This is bad content. Okay. Uh, here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand up for this. Because um, you're doing it at a weird angle. I'm doing it at a weird angle, so it's a little bit tougher. Shuffle number one. Shuffle number two. Oh, I hear it. I know what you're talking about. Hold on, let me try this. Let me try okay. this. Here we go. <laughs> I was going to say the second one was real that time. Okay, was that real or false? That was false. That damn it. Okay, never mind. So the pro- the also the other thing is the cascade. Yeah. Um, the regular- if you're wondering, um, if you want to count how many episodes of this podcast we have, and you're like, oh, so this is how many episodes it took for them to run out of ideas. <laughs> I think this is great. It's great <laughs> content. The set, the the okay, the the false one when you do the cascade sounds like, and I know what's happening, but it does sound like a mix of two different things, 
two different things happening. One is like there's a cascade happening and then there's something hitting something else, mm-hmm. which is the cascade hitting your non-shuffling side. Right. Whereas, and you what you aren't getting is the sound of two cards sliding up against each other as they cascade. Yes. So it's much more, the re- the real one is much more like, like it's, it's just whispery, right. the real one. And there's no impact in the real one. Yes. So in the false one, you're getting a little bit of impact of those cards hitting your right hand. Let bank. me try this. Let me try this. That's also, by the way, what Daniel Madison talks about in his video. Oh, I'll try this. <laughs> that was real. That was real. Hey, yeah, that was good. You know what? I'm going to do that in my audition. Though. <laughs> okay. um, uh, so anyway, actually bring this up. Ollie Mailing puts out a lot of like controls and forces and stuff. And um, you were talking about how you revealed at the end of the mental epic. Yeah. Uh, now I have a little bank of things that I do. That I, I can I, I'll, I'll say what that is in case people are just to have some context. Oh, just that um, um, when you first started the mental epic, you were, um, you'd say what what was the third thing you wrote down or whatever? Yeah. So basically, if it was like if it was like A one is my prediction and A two is what they what I've written publicly B one B two C one C two. I basically just A one A two A uh B one B two and C one C two and then like and what did you write? for C and C was an amazed box prediction. Um, and like, what was the prediction? They would go this and I would show it. And that'd be the third one. Um, what I ended up doing was I would actually never publicly write out what uh, C2 was the bottom right thing, um, which I used to do. I would basically make the prediction go. And lastly, what was it? And then they would tell me, I'd write it down in the bottom three, all something written in them, a traditional level epic. And I would go, this is one, this is one, this is one. And I realized that trick does need a bit of a twist or a bit of a thing. For instance, Harrison Greenbaum, I won't say what it is, um, just to not spoil his routine, but he has a, a twist ending on the third phase, the, the third reveal of a mental epic that makes it a bit different, gives that trick a bit more of a finale, works very well. It's also perfectly weaved into his script and his premise, as all of his tricks are. Because I think so that the ending, I think I, I think that's from Illusionist. Um, fair enough. I, I bought that from uh, Illusionist. Uh, so I'm pretty sure that they invented it first. Got it. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll let him know. Um, <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> that's no slight on Harrison. It's, it's not that's, that uh, shitty um, company. Yeah, that's uh, there's some. Uh, I'm 100 on Harrison's side. Oh, 100. You you could not look at the facts and be on anyone else's side besides Harrison's. Yeah. Um, but that's been litigated to death, and so I won't uh, bother with it. But uh, Harrison's a few trick is great, and uh, is... and you found, but you found a way. Oh yeah, so basically, and... what I do now is um, I I rev- they read this prediction uh, to themselves. They don't say it out loud. I do not write it down, and then I immediately go into the reveals. I go that you know the first person said magic was cool, and so I predicted magic was cool. The second person said. I looked like I was goofy, so I wrote that they said I was goofy. And then the third thing was, and then, again, nobody has heard it except for this person who's just read it. What I do is I take down the prediction, I stand in front of that person, and I show the entire audience. And I go, for the you know out loud, what is the word you just read from that box? And then they say it, and it matches. And then it's just a, it's the same exact thing, but it just gives it a bit more texture and a sort of experiment in, like, taking the same moment and... Um, uh, it's it's cooler though because it then, is cooler yeah. because no because if they think they're ahead of the method and I saw and that, there's another trick I saw more than one person pointing out how it was how it was working yeah they've got it they did they probably couldn't explain everything about it they probably couldn't build the gimmick right. but they kind of got the gist that you know once someone says the information <laughs> they, out loud to me 
they got the gist that you're not psychic. Right. They got the <laughs> gist of it. Um, but like once you can, you know, reverse engineer that that information was said out loud to me, it's not impossible to under, to get, you know, right, that right, I was right, like, right. oh, he's probably right now. And actually this third way of doing, this new way of revealing the third thing actually is good because it leverages the actual method it, it does. to flip it on the person. It, it, absolutely. So then in the end. Um, Whereas when you in the end, before, Yeah, I have the word already written before it's ever been communicated to me. And then they would also have to guess the amaze box and the connection to those two, which is too difficult for your average lay person. Yeah. Um, it was also, it's not also cool though. because it's no, also cool 100%. because if you see the your prediction first as a spectator i almost become like now i'm ahead of that one person everyone in the audience is now ahead of yes one person yes so we're sort of now on your side right um so then we kind of participate in the revelation of like uh it's good if it, it shifts the spectator's relationship to the trick mm-hmm. for everybody except that one person right at the end right so they get to kind of like participate in the success of it right because they were also right yes you know what i mean uh, I mean, I don't know if there's a factor of them feeling smarter than that one person. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the reason I bring this up is Ollie Mealing has a lot of controls and forces where um, um, where you know what the card is ahead of time or you know what the card is after they selected it. And then it'll just be like, for example, if I'm just like, here, pick at this card. Here, like, take a look at this one. Uh, ugh, let me see. Say stop at one some point. Stop. Good. So can you take a look at that card? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Got it. Okay, so now the there's a lot of these where he's just putting out ideas about tricks where it's like now however he gets to it um then, if you want to plug whatever that controls calls for people to That was the down, pivotal peak. The pivotal peak. By Ryan Schlutz. Okay. Not only mailing actually. But let's say you've picked it like that. And then I'll just be like uh even if I've got some he's got some interesting ways on how you might quote unquote find that card but like at the end of it you're holding a card and i just go like it's the seven of spades you know like the whereas like there's not there's a lot of things i have like this where i'm like there should be a better way to end this than just me like naming a card out loud right and you being like yep it was right and i feel like that's the kind times where sometimes people will be like um want to have something written down first or something mm-hmm. or like that, that feels kind of underwhelming sometimes to yeah. just be like, I figured out what your card, what card you picked. Um, do you have any thoughts on this? I, I do. I think uh, this is something that um, Joshua J talked about in that psychological study he did with a uh, college of New Jersey. I think it was, mm-hmm. um, I might not be exactly right, but they did a, like a psychological study for magicians um, uh-huh. to learn about like the way audiences perceive magic. I'm actually in the middle of writing a little essay about my opinions on one of those things, um, which, uh, I almost set myself a goal, uh, to have that done by next week. And then I can talk about it. Cool. Um, cause there's one thing that I think just like is, a uh, a fact about that that I think a lot of people interpret one way that doesn't necessarily have to be interpreted a certain way. It just kind of is, but people think it's inherently this, negative. This is a study that was like published. Um, it uh, it was published. Yeah, you can find it if you Google it. Um, which I did. He talked about it at Magic Live, and I believe it is on. It was published in Genie. I oh, know. I think it was published in Mad. I don't know where it was published. It was talked about at Magic Live. No, uh-huh. this would have been after Magic had stopped going. Um, so it was me talking just to clarify, that process. the science he worked with scientists. He worked with a, a psychologist. Yeah, okay. and he did an actual and psychological the study. Was blind and in prison. Yes, um, she was writing him letters yeah. and said, "I would love if you could balance a toothbrush on this Gatorade <laughs> bottle." <laughs> um, I don't know why we shit on that trick so much. That's a fun no, I trick. I think it's fun. To um, say. But anyway, uh, 
Uh, go by Bugs. By the way, Alex. for for uh, I mean, Joshua J is amazing, but like, oh, Joshua J is I for, think our closest to like Tommy, uh, modern day Tommy Wonder. For um for as hyped as that trick was, I don't see that being a trick that like enters the the common like it's five years from now. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it it, it really hit. It really landed. I saw you saw more, it at Castle. I saw it at the end you know, of the Castle. I've seen several Facebook profile photos with that in it i've seen instagram vo- videos of people doing it at the beach like whoa <laughs> what? Oh, okay uh, it wasn't just like well we're going to the beach bring that balance trick <laughs> that's basically what it was it was like uh at the beach he's like oh whoa and it was like all the things you have at the beach you know your toothbrush <laughs> yeah bottle of gatorade uh, anyway so uh um one of the things in the study said that the people's favorite thing about magic, because it basically said, like, what do you think is people's favorite thing about magic? And if I, Chris, if I were to ask you, what would you guess most audience members would write, oh, write well, in as their favorite thing about magic? Not bubble in, but actual write, write in. Oh, write in? Yeah. Uh, surprise? That is actually correct. Surprise oh. is our favorite thing. Hey. Um, which I, I don't know if I would have not guessed that, but I probably wouldn't have been on the tip of my tongue. Huh. Um, and so uh, the idea was that, uh, yeah, surprise is people's favorite thing in magic. You should always try to add in some interesting element of surprise. And so I think that goes to that in some way. Like people don't want to be like, you picked a card, five of clubs. Cool. See you later. Yeah. Um, and then can you, if on the subject, can you guess people's least favorite thing about magic? Least, like just seeing magic shows, least favorite thing. Yeah. What do you think? What just the inverse of that? What do you think people put in as their least favorite oh, thing about like magic? When they can figure it out when it's predictable. Um, I mean, that's the opposite surprise. I would right. say like the corniness. <laughs> Uh, you know what? That's that is was on the list. Um, the actual, the number one, quite by a, a bit, as I recall, I'll have to relook at the study. Um, was uh, people seeing tricks they had seen before? Oh, um, people like they. Oh, that's interesting. Which I, which I would not have guessed would be people's number one thing. I would have guessed corniness. Or, now, or, random you know. question: Did you see this study before or after you put your friend show together? <laughs> Um, well before well before okay and in spite of that you're just like I'm fucking doing Sands of the Desert well no one's I mean that trick hasn't been popular for a long time in fact several magicians one guy who was like a hobbyist um, uh, was very now granted uh, what was his name was like remember the guy at the beginning of the month there was a guy with a Krieg 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 yeah (laughs) spelled Craig Um, oh really yeah oh I didn't know that but he pronounced it Krieg um probably like Czechoslovakian or something. Um, I believe he's an acrobat, actually. So he was posting a lot of reviews of acrobat Wait, shows. that was the guy with the broken arm? Yeah. Oh. Not a very good acrobat, we guess. <laughs> <laughs> Tried one too many. Burn on Krieg. Yeah. Uh, no, he was a Fuck nice Fuck you, guy. Krieg. <laughs> um, but he was posting a lot of reviews of like the circus shows, um, mm. some of which that I had seen. Interesting, his reviews were different than what I liked. Um, he gave um, humans uh, like an average review. Oh, um, well, the, but he's coming from it. Circus perform. There was another show that we saw called Rouge, which I, uh, that Aaron and I both thought was not um, Rouge, uh, uh, DNA. We were like, that's pretty cool. And we left being like, all right, well, that was fun. And he was like, that was the best. Uh, the Did I already mention that I watched, the, I mentioned that I watched the Netflix Blown Away show, the Glass yes. Blown show? This is fascinating. Um, in that show, they were talking about what were they talking about there? They were something like, uh, everybody makes these. It might've been flowers. They might've been like, uh, flowers is what everybody makes the first time you learn it. And it was like, basically they were like, this is hacky. Mm. If you do, if you make flowers as a glass blower. Right. And it was like, I would never know that. Right. Like, of course not. And so like, we're seeing, uh, in fact, I'll mention that, um, a, there's a certain performer. I'm not going to say who it is on full us that you mentioned to me yesterday that you were like, we saw this person and, and this person was bad. 
the very same person, a layman last night, said to me, did you see so-and-so on Fullis? They were so good. Oh, interesting. I and it was like, that is. Uh, I'll tell you afterwards. But it was, it was funny. It was just like, oh, like the standards of what someone inside the craft thinks is hacky or not. They, oh, maybe they saw. Was it that, was it, um, uh, was it um, the person that does like a mentalism thing that we talked about? Uh, maybe. I don't want to out this person. Yeah, yeah, they were yeah. bad. Well, the thing, what I'm saying is like, um, I think Humans, the Acrobat show, is incredible. It wasn't Woody Aragon, was it? No, no, to no. clarify, I think Woody Aragon was very good on Full Last. No, no, I no, thought no, it was no. shot in a way that made it look not great. No, no. Um, the, uh, but maybe circus people see humans are just like, oh. Oh, of course, exactly. And, and Aaron and like, I talked about that a lot. It's like, oh, I have that no reference thing? for this. I have less, less of a reference for this. Like, maybe someone sees humans and they're like, what? They wasted three minutes at the top taking their clothes off? And right. they're like, but like, to me, I'm like, the thing where like Human, five, I mean, humans easily in my top five shows at the festival where of five the of them, five of them all jumped at the same, same time, time. In, and they all hit a slot that was perfect for them yeah. to like do their little summer one slot. person is like bending over, touching their toes and five other people walk towards them. And at the exact same time, all like standing in a circle around them, dive over them. Yes. Um, and like roll out. It's so, like all five of them have their own little like heights and slots. They jump. It was incredible. It was certainly probably my favorite moment of that show. Um, Let's real quick run through your top uh, three magic shows. Oh, at the Fringe? Oh, that's right, because yeah. I, I lost footage from yesterday. My top three shows at the Fringe. Number one at the top is uh, Aaron Crow. With Fearless. a bullet. Number one with a bullet. Uh, with an apple. With an apple. Um, it was just well-produced. It was interesting. It was... Uh, and, and something about his non-verbal character and be able to communicate with other people. Really, there was like more room for that character to do things, like actually as a, a character, and like, oh, what would this character do than any other magic show I saw at the Fringe, including my own. Um, it just like... So he's very much solved the problem of like having a strong character for his magic to come through. Yes. He, he, That's great. That, that is a character. Um, when you see that full show, I don't... When it, when I, honestly, I think when you watch it on like one of those Got Talent shows, I think it just looks like... Uh, you a know, weirdo. <laughs> uh, a guy with strong contouring who does uh, like dangerous stuff right. that may or may not be magic, depending on what you know about magic. Um, and I think watching a show, you're like, oh, this is a character who's doing things. And like, there's so like, what is that character? You know, what does it mean to be uh, fearless? And like, cause that was the name of the show. And it was like, he was doing all these sort of dangerous things that he had no fear of doing, obviously. But there were moments and Aaron and I talked about this, like he would, you know, doing a smash and stab. He's about to slam his hand down. And he shows him hesitation. And I'm like, interesting. Should that character show hesitation? It's fearless. Mm-hmm. Should he be completely, uh, completely committed to it? And without absolutely no, you know, fear or, uh, or does that is that how we relate to that character? And, it, and it, the fearlessness comes in the fact that he's doing it in spite of that. There, there's just more little things you could do with that in a, from a directorial place that you could with someone like me who's like, and I'm, you know, I'm John. I'm John. <laughs> you know, and it's just very interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, he, you know, he did like some good glass walking that was just like he would like lay down on the glass and have someone stand on top of him and walk. You're just doing cool stuff. Mm. Um, it was just well done, and the audience was in, and it was thrilling, and I was thrilled by it, and I didn't expect to like it as much as I did, and I really enjoyed it. I'm sorry I missed the show. Um, my second, uh, my second favorite show was uh, Pete Furman, Pete uh-huh. Furman TBC, uh, and the Amazing TBC, uh, or the Incredible TBC. I don't know, but the the premise of the show is that Pete Furman was going to do this magic show every single night with a different celebrity guest who would be his assistant on stage, um, and then I will spoil it because sorry. Um, uh, he's not gonna be here. He's not gonna be here anytime soon. I never even heard of him before. But also, I mean, you figured this is like um, 
you learn this very soon in the show. Yeah. So but then at the really. end of the show, he goes, please don't tell anyone. <laughs> oh, he does? Yeah. <laughs> well, then maybe you shouldn't. Okay. He's just like, try to keep the secret. But I think that's also like in the fringe. You know uh-huh. what I mean? If people coming tomorrow. Yeah. I'm not going to be like, well, guess who the special guest is? It's Noah. Right, right, um, right. But at, at the end of the day, he, he basically brings a person from the, that person cancels on him and then he brings up someone from the audience to do the show <laughs> with him. You didn't mention to me that he specifically says not to tell people. Uh, I just think in the show, he's like, try to keep the secret. Um, um, well, let me tell you how. Just like the, the, the mousetrap. I was going to say, let me tell you how the mousetrap. <laughs> sure. Did you see that, by the way? I did. When you were there? I did. We talked about this. Oh, yeah. I loved it. Um, and I saw Big, the musical. Right. Both perfectly similar experiences yeah one um, of the longest running show in the world and one likely to be the shortest one of the shortest uh what was your third favorite uh, my third favorite was i believe chris dugdale chris dugdale uh, chris dugdale down to one um chris dugdale used a same exact um gimmick that i used like 10 times better than i used it oh. um i he used the exact same method that i used for the clap and cheer trick um uh, I, I, given that it's so good and working so well for him, I'm not going to say what it is. Oh, cool. Um, but that was a whole down to one. The idea was that the whole audience, he basically dumped a deck of cards into a tray. He did lots of strong, good mentalism leading up to this. Um, but uh, he basically had um, a deck of cards dumped into a tray. People shuffled it up. And then um, they said, you know, someone would take out 15 cards, another person would take out 20 cards, and then basically until one's final spectator eliminates all but one card, and that is the one card we'll use, and they write it down, and it's, you know, out in the open. And then one of the last tricks he does is that same spectator, he takes out a deck of cards, and he spreads them out face down, and he lets that person freely pick any card they want. Um, and then what he does is, uh, and then so I know they're about to pick their, pick their own card. And then I thought to myself right before he did it, I went, you know what would be really cool is if he turned them over and it was like the cards were in, because um, he even says before he's like, they're in a specific order. I'm not going to tell you what the order is yet. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, if you were to go, um, I'm like, it would be really cool if he were to like turn the cards over and like, let's say your card is the eight of diamonds, the whole audience agreed on. And, and the cards he turns over were like between like the seven and nine of diamonds all the cards were suited uh-huh. and then he did and they were um so like he pulled out a card and then he turned the two halves of the deck over and like the card was jack clubs i think when i saw it and then the the, the place where she stopped him was in a suited deck between the ten of clubs and the uh, queen of clubs and then of course the card was jack clubs and it was oh. very 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 good it's the exact same method i used for one of the, the opening trick of my show um just better <laughs> but could you do that last part with that same method um, yes, and I'll tell you off mic okay. how, how, how it actually works. But anyway, it was very good. Those there was the- also a Card Shark release recently that I think was very similar to that. But that's, that's really cool. Um, and then I, I, I even thought afterwards, I'm like, wow, like, does that mean he, like, does he put in as much work for that as I think he is? And if he did, then that's very impressive. Yeah, that's cool. So those um, are my three favorite magic shows, The Fringe. Cool. Well, I think we've successfully recorded yeah, we a new recess- episode. Um, we did it. Oh, well over an hour. Yeah. yeah we've got, uh, we can uh, We can talk later. Couple, about- a couple things I do want to plug before we oh, go. Yeah, sure. um, you, um, uh, last night, run an episode of Superstore? Yes, I was. Um, I should I go watch that. Um, neither have I. I taped it, and I have it on Hulu, um, but uh, I, I just haven't gotten a chance to watch it yet. I'm going to watch it tonight. I'm very excited. Um, yeah, this is how blasé I am about being on TV right. now. Because all week, uh, I've seen N- ads on NBC for Superstore, and you're in them. I've been in um, them, yes. Uh, so he'll be in an episode of last night. Um, uh, available on Hulu. Know, I, I do have to say... Uh, Given that I'd say one of the more popular shows on TV right now is The Good Place, which comes on just after Superstore, that probably gives it a bit of a boost. Um, I believe right now, actually, it's um, uh, first of all, Superstore is more popular than Good Place. Is it? It is. Really? Uh huh. 
I mean, better ratings. Oh, it's, that's it's, interesting. Yeah, it's not as uh, hip to talk about Good Place. I mean, uh, Superstore is Good Place. Oh, well, okay. But yeah, uh, never mind. Uh, but I believe right now it's Superstore and then Perfect Harmony, oh, which is Harmony. the Bradley Whitford Choir Show. Which gonna, I, that'll be a great two months. Yeah, <laughs> I auditioned for that show. Uh huh. Did you watch the first episode? Who'd you audition? I've for? not watched it. I auditioned for. So I watched the first episode. Would you a been? um uh guy who sings that has a crush on another lady? Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, I saw the guy who they cast. And I was like, that guy's better for that. He he is very good in that role. Yeah, um, I love Bradley Whitford though. But we're back in the U.S. and we'll do back in the U.S. once every week, SR. or maybe two in a week. If, maybe two in a week. Go, if this keeps happening. If this keeps happening. Um, but yeah, so I want to uh, go watch Chris on Superstore last night or catch up. He's he's in how many five episodes between season two and now? No, uh, this the one that just aired is my tenth episode. Shit, really? Yeah, I'd have forgotten about that many. And I'm about to shoot two more. Um, but yeah, between the second and the fifth season, he's. I'm been very on. happy actually to be in double digits for a show. That's great. Which means a network sitcom show. Network sitcom, and I think that, I think that I could do, like one of the. Have you seen those like Hollywood? Uh, autograph shows oh um, where they'd be like this person was on one episode of star trek um um uh jane lynch's like the hollywood game uh, night no 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 oh. like um it's you pay twenty dollars you go to a hotel and in the conference room of a hotel is a bunch of like it's for one for six hours it's william shatner oh. and then it's like this was a she played the third sidekick on Facts of Life, and then like it's it's like that's funny uh, the the original cook on Gunsmoke or whatever, and the, you you get autographs from all of them. That's funny, and they just sit there. I mean, it's probably a very sad thing to do, but I think I've qualified to be in that that's show. That's great. Now. <laughs> um, you should do it. And then uh, yeah, that's um, uh, December seventh. I'll be at Magic Mania in Santa Monica. It's a Saturday, I believe, a Saturday evening. Very cool. Um, I, I know uh, with a good he t- typically he's Albie said that um he has. People do Saturday and Sunday. Um, I felt him do that Saturday because I think he has someone doing Sunday only. I do not know who that is, but mm-hmm. the other three people on that lineup are the new Bad Boys of Magic, oh, Steve cool. Owens, and uh, Jackie Yu. Um, so love Jackie Yu. I, I will be on stage with at least two of those people, all three of whom are good, and you should come <laughs> see that show. <laughs> I can't do it. He's great. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see you next. We'll week. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.